You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Good morning, Kingdom City. So good to see everybody in the room and everybody watching online, wherever you are, we welcome you. We're so glad that you are with us. It's going to be a great day. Can we pray, please? Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much that you're here, that we can feel you. Lord, I pray for everybody uh, watching right now in bedrooms, in cafes, and in lounge rooms, wherever they are. Lord, that they will feel your presence through the airwaves, Lord. That as we, as we learn about you, as we learn about truth, Lord God, that, that there will be something that will click, shift, or change. I come against every voice that would raise itself against the voice of the Lord. We pray silence in Jesus' name. We declare freedom and anointing and a breakthrough for freedom today. Whether you're here in Wangara or all the way over on the other side of the world, we declare, God, that you will turn up, you will shift, and you will change, that bondages will be broken, shackles will leave us, God, and that we will be the women and men of God that you have called us to be. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And God, we just pray in Perth that you will just make the weather go down a little bit, Lord. Just bring the wind and and maybe just cool down a bit in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. You can take your seats. If you're in Perth watching us right now, we are in Kingdom City in Wangara location. So we have another service at 11. So if you want to get out of bed, you are more than welcome to come join us down there. Pastor Phil has said yes really loudly in any of our cities. If there is a place near you, why don't you join? Because there's something about being in the room. Amen. Amen. Wow. It's packed here today. Psalm 34, 8. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You got to taste the Lord. Then you'll see that he's good. Then you'll be able to trust him. Trust him to be your God. Many of us have Jesus as our savior. He saved us. But is he your Lord? Is he your God? Is he the one who who you serve, who you worship, who you adore, who you go to for comfort? See, when we taste the Lord, we consume him. You know, when you taste something, it goes inside of you, right? It goes inside of you, depending where or what it is, you know, it goes wherever it goes. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but you know, and I didn't do good in school with biology or whatever it is. But anyway, it goes somewhere, but it's in your system. It becomes a part of you. So when you taste something, it becomes a part of you. So tasting the Lord means it's coming a part of you. And when you really taste the Lord, when he gets inside your system, in your blood, in your DNA, the world and all the temptations and all those things seem to lose its taste. It becomes tasteless when you really taste the Lord. We have an enemy and he knows this far better than us. So he provides these little taste testers, you know, like when uh, here in Australia, when you go to the supermarket, um, they have these little taste testing lady stalls, you know, and they're like, just taste, just taste a little bit. And their whole goal is to taste it so that you will taste it and go, "Mm, this is amazing. I'm going to go buy five packs. Like that's the whole goal. Well, that's what the enemy does. He gives us little taste, tasting, little tester tasting plates so that you taste it and you want more. He knows that if he can get you to consume it, 
then he's got a foothold in you, and then he can begin to give you more. You begin to develop a taste for it, and then he can begin to dominate. He does this through many different ways. Number one, we're going to talk about a few of the ways today. The enemy wants you to see before you taste. He wants you to see before you taste. God wants you to taste before you see. But the enemy has swapped that around. He goes, hey, check this out. Hey, look at this. Hey, this is awesome. Hey, you know you want this, you know, and you start looking at it and you start thinking about it and you start, you know, developing imaginations and fantasies of what it would look like if you, if you took that or you partake, you know, if you began to taste it. That's what he does. He, he shows it to us. You know, there was a woman in the Bible named Eve. And Eve had a conversation with the enemy. I think, personally, Eve had a lot of conversations with a talking snake. Because in the Bible, if that was the first time a talking snake had talked to her, she probably would have screamed and run away. But she was very comfortable talking to this snake, which means they had conversations probably going for a while. Who knows? There was no time back then. Before sin, there was no time. So we don't know how long it was. But it must have been long enough for her to begin to trust this talking snake. And the talking snake says, hey, check that fruit out. Look at it. It glistens in the sunlight. It's just calling your name. You know, it's just there for you. You know, all those things the enemy does. Like, you know, for me, it's like shopping. Like, that dress is calling your name. You know, like, no, it's miracle offering. I'm no, it's calling you. Jemima, come try me. You know, it's, it's like they talk to you, right? It's like you feel the item or whatever the temptation is. It's like alluring you and it's talking because he wants, when, as soon as we look at it, we're hooked. Because he knows if he can get you to see it and keep watching it and keep looking it, he has got you. The Lord requires you to taste him first because the Lord requires faith. Once you have faith to taste, then you can see. But the enemy doesn't require faith. No, 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 no. You just look at it and then I'll give it to you. The second thing the enemy does is he wants you to feel before you taste. Feel, feelings. I feel this. I feel that. You know, he wants us to really, really feel vulnerable, feel tired, feel sad, feel lonely. He wants us to feel before he gets us to taste. He never comes to you when you're really, really happy and you're fully, like he always comes, you know, when you're really tired, you know, when you're really down, when you really feel disappointed, when you feel, really feel hurt, then, then you hear this little voice that begins to talk to you and you feel and you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to taste. I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just, I'm just going to, I need that comfort. Because whatever you do for comfort is what you open the door for the enemy to have influence in. If you need alcohol for comfort, you've opened the door. You need porn for comfort, you've opened the door. You need anger for comfort to make you feel good, you've opened the door. Anything other than the Lord, whatever it is that you go to to satisfy that stress or that need or that disappointment or whatever it is, that comfort can be an open door for the enemy. He gets you to feel before you taste. There were two men in the Bible. They were brothers, Esau and uh, Jacob, and they were very different. Esau was a man's man, strong he was loved hunting. He probably was into football and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, he was a, a real strong boy. 
The other one was Jacob, and he probably wasn't into football, but rather MasterChef. And he liked to cook and stay in the kitchen, and, and they were very different in their personalities. And one day Esau went hunting, you know, and he was out all day and he came back and he was feeling hungry. And his brother was there in his little cute chef hat, you know, and just cooking and, and going, oh, hi, you know, and he's like, I'm so hungry right now, I'm going to die. Have your kids said that? You know, I'm starving, I'm going to die. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going to die. Look at your stomach. You're not going to die. But anyway, he, he was at that point. And Jacob was like, hey, you know, you can have some of this, um, you know, and if you just give me your birthright. Now, we hear that today and go, what? So who cares? Like, that's a bit lame. But there was way more significance attached to that exchange because Esau was exchanging his place in history, his blessing in history, for he was going to carry Jesus through his line. He would have been the chosen people. His people would have been the chosen, the blessed. It would have been him. But in that moment of feeling it, he exchanged it. And he lost his inheritance for his, the generations to come. He went for his feelings. He based the decision on his feelings. The enemy will get you to base your decision of tasting what he's presenting to you on your feelings. Number three, the enemy wants you at his place before he tastes. He wants you on his territory, on his side, on his house, in his area. If he can get you there, then he has ground. There was a judge in the Old Testament named Samson. He was the strongest judge, strongest man in history back in the Old Testament. And I'm sure he was like Thor from Thor 1 and, um, you know, like looked like Thor on, theroid, um, on steroids. He was like huge, massive. And he had taken vows. He had taken vows that actually an angel of the Lord had talked to his mom about. So it wasn't like he had, like the, the angel of the Lord had come to his mom and he had taken these Nazarite vows. And, you know, there were some of them that they had taken very seriously. So he'd taken these vows. Well, he started hanging out in the enemy's camp in the vineyard. Now, one of those vows was he couldn't drink alcohol. So I don't know what he was doing in the vineyard of the enemy's camp that produced wine. The commentators say it was what, where they produced wine, but he was hanging out there at that place. And then while he was there, so he's not doing anything wrong because he's just hanging there. He's not sinning. He's just there. But while he's d hanging out there, then some pretty lady walks by. He's like, hello, I like her. I'm going to go talk to her. So he has a chat with her and then decides, yeah, I'm going to marry her. And, and he, even though um, she's the enemy and he wasn't supposed to marry anybody from the enemy, he was at the enemy's place. He goes and gets his parents. When he's walking um, towards the enemy's territory, a lion comes out. You, some of you know this story, you know, pulls the lion apart, kills the lion. Strength of God comes on him. It's amazing. The lion dies and he goes on his way. When he uh, goes back on his way to get his parents to marry um, this lady, he decides, oh, I'm going to check out the lion to see, you know, how, you know, what, what happened to the lion. Um, so he goes to find the lion. The lion is dead. It's a dead carcass. And in the middle of the lion is some honey. Now, one of the vows that he had taken was he would not touch a dead carcass. But he goes to find the dead carcass in the enemy's territory. He leans over and touches it. 
and touches the honey, tastes it. He's like, this is pretty good. I need to get some for my parents. Grabs some, gave it to his parents, didn't tell them where it was from because he knew that he had broken a vow. The enemy got him to break a couple of vows in that moment. And then if you read the story of Samson, his life began to go downhill from there. He made bad decisions. The enemy just had an influence and a domin was able to dominate. Like, we're like, what, what? you are crazy. Why could you do that? But he couldn't help but make these bad decisions because he had let the enemy come in and influence him. See, the enemy's goal is to get you to see, to feel, and get to his place. Once you've done all that, it's really hard not to taste. It's extremely hard not to taste. And then once you taste, you develop a taste for that sin. And then it becomes a doorway for the enemy to get inside and, and um, cause struggles within you that can dominate you and influence you. Things like fear. You know, we, I hear a lot, oh yeah, they've got anxiety attacks. I'm like, anxiety attacks? That's fear. That's a spirit that's come in that somehow has gotten a right for fear, that's not the way we're supposed to live. Pride, anger, jealousy, lust, lying, rejection, shame. You constantly feel shame, negativity, addictions, unforgiveness. It's really hard for you to forgive somebody. You just can't forgive them. It's because you've partnered with a, with a spirit, with an influence, with the enemy of unforgiveness. You've partnered with it. And until you tell it to go, you, it is too, it's very hard to forgive. Rebellion, soul ties, soul ties with any sexual partners you might have had or uh, any ungodly soul ties. It's like it's a control, an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit is like, why me? Why is this? Not fair, you know? Like a fatherless kind of attitude, sleeping, eating disorders, and even sickness can all be influences and things that we have partnered with because we have tasted sin or wherever we go for comfort, even fantasy. Uh, we can go there for comfort and, and these things open the door for us to be influenced. And that's why we have all these Christians who are like surviving or like they, they do really well and then they fall apart and then they do well and then they fall, you know, or you're like, why am I feel like this? Why do I overthink? Overthink. Not supposed to overthink anything like that. It's like you where your voice is in your head. Even now, some of you I can see on your face. You're, it's having a conversation with you. It's talking. Nah, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Why did she wear that red jacket? Chinese New Year's over. Like sometimes I hear it. I'm like, oh gosh. But Jesus wants you to taste Him and see Him. He wants you to taste Him and see Him. In John 10:10, 10, 10, it says the enemy, the thief, does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to bring you life and life abundantly. He's come to bring you life. So the enemy, he will send weapons against us. One is there to steal your innocence. He stole Eve's innocence. She didn't know that she was naked. She didn't know about sin. He stole her innocence and the enemy will do everything he can to steal your innocence. He will, maybe as a child, he'll do everything he can to steal our children's innocence. All the time, constantly trying, because he goes, if I can steal their innocence when they're young, I've got them for the rest of their life. So he tries to attack our innocence. He, he tries to kill our inheritance. Esau's generation missed out. Exchanged to Jacob because of that one moment. And if you look at the line that Esau has, uh, where they all come from, it's been a cursed 
people group. They've never been blessed like the Israelites. It's always, they're always trying to get there, but there's always something. They're not blessed. He comes to destroy your destiny. Samson was never meant to end up the way he did. Blind, they cut out his eyes, no strength, no hair in a prison. In fact, the way he died was so sad. He put his hands by the pillars, cried out to the Lord, asked for forgiveness, said, one more time, God, give me strength that I can kill these, you know, the, the enemy like I was supposed to do. And he was able to pull the pillars down and he died with them all. That wasn't his destiny. He was supposed to be the greatest judge in history with his strength to save, to help, to impart. No one got the gift he got. It died with him. Because the enemy's out to destroy. But Jesus comes to give life. He came and he paid the price. He can restore your innocence. He can. He can resurrect your inheritance. He can reunite you with your destiny because Jesus is life. That's why communion is so important. It's tasting him and seeing him, seeing what he did, tasting him and experiencing the love of God. But really to get free, we got to vomit. We got to vomit some stuff out. Like if you've ever had food poisoning, you know, you don't feel better until you vomit it out. That's what it's like. We got to vomit some of these things out that have been living in us, that have been hanging out in us. Some of us don't even know that uh, it's in us, that it's been part of us for so long, for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, maybe we were born with it. We don't even realize it is in us. Christians can't be possessed by demons or spirits. They can't. But they can certainly be influenced and dominated by the demonic attaching itself to your soul, to your mind and to your will and to your emotions. It can attach itself. And it's different to flesh. People are like, oh, you get confused between flesh and you'll start blaming everything on demons. No, no, no. Flesh you can crucify. Demonic uh, influence you can't. You can't. You can fast. You can pray. You can do everything you can and it just doesn't seem to move. I just can't get over this issue. I just seem to have to live with this for the rest of my life. That is when you know the difference. But you can break this influence. Absolutely. Because deliverance is not for the unbeliever. People think deliverance ministry is for the weird witch that walks in floating off the floor. No, no. Deliverance is for Christians. And it's supposed to happen every day. See, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray. And he says, deliver us from the evil one. And he tells us to do that daily. What are you saying? You're saying, I'm God, I'm just, get this out of me. If there's anything in me, deliver me daily. We can do self-deliverance on us daily, you know, just get it out. And as we make this a habit, then we don't have to have these massive, you know, three, four-hour sessions where people are -da -da -da, trying to get things out. If we do it daily, we're just pulling out the weeds uh, daily instead of a massive uh, project at the end of the year. And so we said, do the Lord's Prayer. There are five R's for freedom I've come up with. Number one, repent. We need to repent and surrender first. See, God has given us a free will. We have a free will. We can choose whether to keep this in us or get it out. And in order to experience true freedom, and this is what I've found, is it's only the ones that are really hungry to change, really hungry to surrender, really desperate to want to change their ways. 
They come apathetic. They come because their wife forced them to come or their mother forced them to come. Not going to work. Because your will is stronger than the authority that anyone can pray over you. Your will. So you're, you have to decide, do I really want to give those things up? Do I really want to get free? And then if you do, then you need to repent and to say, I repent of opening that door, partnering with that demonic influence, for, for going to other influences for comfort rather than you, God, for not making you my Lord of every part of my soul. Please forgive me, and today I make you the Lord of my life. It's just a simple repent, repenting prayer. That's all it is. And number two, it's renounce. We need to renounce. You know, the definition of renounce says declaring abandonment on one's claim or possession, to resign a right or position, to refuse to continue, reject and abandon, to disown. So when you say, I renounce, I'm refusing to continue with my anger. I'm refusing to continue with my insecurity. I'm refusing to continue with my accusations, my negativity, or my fear. You're refusing to let it continue in your life. Then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring back to your mind, is there anything, Holy Spirit, I need to renounce? Anything that has dominance, influence, a foothold or stronghold in me? Is it, is it something that I was born with, Lord? Is it something, you know, you know, you know when your family say, oh, it's in the family. Oh, that's just what the family does. <laughs> that right there is an indication that there's something in the family that needs to be broken over you, or you see your child acting like your mother, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, how did, they don't even know each other, and they're acting like that. It can be a familiar spirit that goes through the family that just needs to be broken. We need to renounce this. We need to say something like this. I renounce partnering with anger. I detach you from my soul and body, and I command you to leave me now. You know, even sickness, some forms of sickness are just a demonic influence. And when you detach them from your body, they have to leave. They have to go. There, there's a great author called Henry Wright. He lists all these different things that can be sometimes pointed to uh, just a demonic influence. Um, allergies. We had one of our staff, he's actually in the engine room right now, and he um, prayed this prayer. He had uh, allergies, milk, I think. Was it milk and um, I don't know what else. Josh is in the back. Milk and something else. Anyway, we went through these prayers. <laughs> right after the prayers, he went and ordered a full uh, flat white, I think it was, or latte, all milk latte, and uh, drank it. No reaction at all. You got to understand, when we have staff lunches, we always have to give him special meals, but not anymore. He is completely free. But that thing left him, and it hasn't come back. You know, and then you got to remove it. You got to take authority in Jesus' name. You got to, after you renounce, then you say, I take authority because Jesus is giving you authority. You have authority to do it. And you just say, I take authority in Jesus' name. And I tell that de demonic influence or whatever it is, anger, to leave me now in the name of Jesus. Then after that, receive. Taste and see. Receive your freedom. And the best way to do it is through communion. It's like having that moment with the Lord where you're just like, I'm going to taste you and I'm going to see you and I'm going to experience you like I've never felt before. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. And then lastly is remain. John 15, 4 says, so you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless. 
unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. We must remain in Jesus. If we get this level of freedom and we go out and we don't remain in him, we'll be seven times worse. You read the Bible, it says it comes back seven times. It has gangs. Hey, guess what? It's a clean house. Come on, guys. And there's seven or eight of them will jump in together, all different types. So it's our responsibility to remain in him reading our Bible every day and, and going to church and, and filling ourselves up. Stop filling ourselves up with the world, filling ourselves, stuff, uh, filling ourselves up with good stuff. You know, that's why I tell people to do greenhouse. I don't do it as a whip over you. I fully believe that greenhouse is an amazing complement to deliverance because what it does is it, it teaches you how to retrain your thinking because you can get delivered but then you have patterns in your brain of um, going back to the way you always have. And so you learn how to, for your soul, you learn stuff for your soul of how to retrain your reactions and retrain how you think and why you tend to do this or why you tend to do, to do that. And so it's great. I mean, Jesus can free you absolutely in one instant. But it's your responsibility to remain in him, to run after him, to stay free. And you know, the ones, that's, the ones that get true freedom, I see it. They, they just, they don't want a piece of the world. They have no taste for the world. They're like, I just tasted freedom. I'm not losing this. I just got my freedom. I just got my peace. There's no way I'm going back to that because they know the difference. A common thing people say to me when I pray with them is, so quiet in my mind. It's so clear. I, I can, I, I, I feel like I can think, I can hear my, it's so clear. And their face is so light. And it's an amazing, and then they just want to adore Jesus and just worship Jesus. It's just this love and adoration for the Lord because they've experienced freedom. You know, we're going to do this right now, you know, together. We're just going to go through these simple prayers. I'm going to ask you to all stand up right now. And this is just going to be between you and the Lord, wherever you are um, at home, if you could stand as well and right here in the room. And we're just going to take a moment to just repent, just me and the Lord, just us and the Lord. And um, if you have communion at home, you might want to get that. And on your seats, you can grab that in a minute as well, because we'll, this is going to lead into communion. But let's just take a moment, because right now I know that the Holy Spirit the whole time has been highlighting things to you about things that you've been living with, that you've allowed in your house, that you've allowed to be with you, and insecurity and comparison, and self-hatred is a huge one. We hate ourselves. And we think it's us. I hate the way I look. I hate the way I do this. I hate the way I am like that in my marriage. I hate the way I mother. I hate, you know, it's a, that, that's, that's a demonic influence of self-hatred that needs to be broken and go. Because you're not, you're not wired that way. And if you struggle with suicidal thoughts and, and killing yourself, that's actually going against the way you were created. Humans were not created to kill themselves. They were created to survive. You know, I throw you into a deep water right now. You do everything you can to get out, you know, to, to survive. That's your instinct is survival. So when it goes against your instinct of survival, you know it's demonic because you weren't created that way. And it comes to, to steal your life. It just wants to kill you. And you got to break it. If it's in your family, you got to break it because it's allowed to torment you if it's been in your uncle and your grandfather and whatever. They did something to let it come in and you just got to tell it to go and it will never come back as you remain in the Lord.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you, and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.